It's the Odd Drunk Podcast, a very strange podcast, the drunkest show in the world. It's Jackson and Colton talking out of their ass. We don't care as long as drinks are poured. Sometimes we have our friends here. We will talk about anything, anything. We don't care as long as we have And if you let that whiskey ring. Long, long, long ago, (laughs) in tall gray art trees, far away, there were some dragon boys, (laughs) and those dragons were immortal, they did nothing but sit around until the first of flame appeared. Oh! Then some humanoids found the flame. <laughs> what? I was thinking about that at work. <laughs> Good. I was like thinking of, I don't know. I was thinking of like the episode. And then I started thinking of that song, American Pie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and then Weird and, Al did. And what, what if Weird Al were to do a, a, a song Dark Souls parody Dark Souls. of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to make that happen. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So what are we talking about today? Uh, yeah, well, so <laughs> one one thing that here at the All Drunk Podcast we really enjoy, is or talk, at least I really enjoy talking about talking about video games and lore and stuff like that. And Jackson happens to be but, the local lore master. Yes, um, in, of Dark Souls here, Vadi, here where Vadi Vidya he bestowed me the lore master badge the title of lore master for this sector for the for, <laughs> for the la plata county yeah <laughs> nondescript location <laughs> um, yeah so we're gonna be talking about dark souls lore and not all of it that would be like five episodes at least yeah <laughs> not he, he, here's something i want to here's something here's something that i want to say before we get started Okay. It's something so this whole idea of getting into lore as a fandom is kind of a recent phenomenon. Yeah, like, the exception of Lord of the Rings fans, but Yeah, but that's still very story based. Yeah. And my thing in my thing is with like this lore thing, it's not that it doesn't have story, but there's more of a focus on just like facts and history and like events that occurred it's in a, a fandom. It's a more new, newer phenomenon of Cuz it's more fan, nuanced. Fans really wanting. It's more nuanced. People can fill in the gaps. It gives background to the story, which is very important. Fans want lore for everything. Um, lore for and, Dark Souls, lore for Mario. Yeah, and uh, lore for <laughs> games that really shouldn't and then the, have lore. <laughs> yeah, of course. But in the case of Dark Souls, Hidetaka Miyazaki, he was um Okay, basically, he got into reading Lord of the Rings and stuff, but he didn't really ex- understand English. <laughs> so a lot of his ideas for Dark Souls, well, Demon Souls and especially Dark Souls, came from him not understanding the Lord of the Rings Mis- all the way. Misunderstanding like, it. He, only, <laughs> he knew like the key important facts, like the key dates of yeah. uh, you know, Middle Earth lore. But he kind of took that and ran with it took those ideas and he was wanting to make a game that felt like an old school game where it's brutal. It's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, Miyazaki was basically, um, he felt 
like gaming was going down the wrong path with games like God of War, where it's like a lot of quick time events and stuff and we're basically yeah. it makes you feel badass without really earning it QTEs, and, and i'm not saying those are bad and games like that. and i don't think he was saying those are bad games but he wanted it he wanted the players to actually earn their wins their victories to really yeah. feel it to yeah. really get into it back the, in the days of super ghost and ghouls and yeah, games like bring that. it back to that. And I think that's why Dark Souls as a fandom... Where sim- simply finishing the game was an achievement. <laughs> well, I think that's one of, the, one of the reasons Dark Souls persevered was its difficulty and everything and its boss fights. But I think Dark Souls as a fandom, its difficulty led to people really getting... Well, either just quitting immediately <laughs> <laughs> or quitting when they get to the... Uh, Taurus Demon. No, he's pretty easy. Quitting when they get to the Bell Gargoyles, Colton. Shut up. <laughs> I've not quit. I've just actually. Not I remember my my <laughs> first wall in Dark Souls was the Capra Demon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, either quitting at some point or getting really into the world because they're just dying on over over, but they're learning all the mechanics, and then they start finding items. They start learning about the lore. You know, outside of what the intro. Yeah, tells one, us. one thing the the games do really well is they, uh, the world you exist in. They really do a good job selling um, that it's a dead world that used to have things in it. Well, it's an undead world. Yeah, we'll get to that. But what's <laughs> really great um, about Dark Souls lore is that it's really vague. And it allows the fans to kind of come up with their own theories and their own canons. And I have some of my own, and I'll tell you when I mention them. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, I assume you rolled the intro in the beginning, just yeah. to make things simple. Yeah, <laughs> I did do that. But before we get to the meat and potatoes, the <laughs> fire and sauce and the dank holes of Dark Souls... <laughs> And uh, Undead Boys and Everlasting Dragons. Before we get yeah. to that, uh, let's talk about what we're drinking. We got something really special. Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> well, it's not really that special itself, <laughs> but we're drinking our version of Estes Flask. Yeah, because we're, 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 we're <laughs> training. We, even when Jackson's not playing... He's still training to get good. Well, I'm always training to like dodge roll in the middle of the streets. Yeah. Chug Estes Flask. You'll be at work and a customer <laughs> will come around the corner and be like, Can I get some help? And you're like, Dodge, dodge, roll. dodge roll out of the way. <laughs> Avoided that confrontation. <laughs> yeah. Your boss comes in, dodge roll. Dodge roll. Yeah. Estes. <laughs> Maybe some fire bombs, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If he's weak to fire damage. You're driving, light turns red, dodge roll. Right past that red light. Yeah, right out of your car. <laughs> yeah, right out of my car. Sorry. Yeah, you're. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're drinking Estes Flask, which we'll get to what it is. If if you know Dark Souls, you're probably listening to this. And if you don't, thank you. And um, if you are listening to this, you know, be sure if you like us, check out our Instagram. And if you really like us, follow us. Well, that would yeah. be cool. Um, I don't want any fake followers. Okay, yeah, if, I want if real. You, <laughs> you enjoy, if you enjoy it, enjoy what you hear. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, all of our links are in the link tree in the description. 
Yeah. Uh, all that good stuff. So um, go check out all that good stuff. Let's get that, that out of the way. Dodge roll straight into that link. Yeah. <laughs> you know, R1 attack it a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, uh, so your version. So they both, the base is Sunny D. Because yeah. the joke within the Dark Souls fandom is that you're really just drinking Sunny D the whole time. <laughs> um, so the base is Sunny D. You, I'm not sure what kind of vodka you have in it. Uh, Tito's. Tito's, okay. Yeah. And then I decided, because I there's various recipes. There's no official cocktail for Estes Flash, just people coming up with shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, the original one, Sunny D, and just basically any alcohol. Yeah. Works. The important part is that there's Sunny D. I saw one had Sunny D and Mountain Dew for extra gamer power, Ugh. but that sounded awful. Uh, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sound good. Uh. But mine... <laughs> I've seen some that recommend cinnamon whiskey, and I decided to get um, Jack Daniel's Tennessee Fire. And I think that's very on theme, because fire is a very important yeah. element it's in part, Dark Souls. It's part of, yeah, and the Estes flasks kind of look like they're a little bit on fire. Well, uh, the Estes flask... You're essentially drinking... Correct me, I'm wrong. I didn't actually research Estes Flask because <laughs> um, that has nothing to do with the prehistory, really. I mean, it kind of does. But you're essentially drinking, like, the essence of the first flame. Mm. Fueled by souls. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get into that. And, and mine, honestly... And the first flame, you know, as we all know, is what uh, the makers of Jack Daniels also used to, f- to create Tennessee fire yeah. whiskey. Yeah. See... <laughs> You would, many would say, oh, no, that's Fireball. No, no, no. No, no, no. They use the Chaos Flame. Yeah, okay? Fireball. <laughs> they don't use the pure. They don't fuck with that. Original Flame. You know. <laughs> but um, but honestly, it's pretty good. Um, originally, I didn't think I had enough in it, so I put a little bit more whiskey, and it gives it that burn edge it needs. Yeah. Yeah, I tried it. It's I not tried bad. It. I tried it with the, the, the whiskey. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just drinking it with vodka, so mine just tastes like Sunny D. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sunny D really does a very good job of hiding the flavor of the alcohol. Yeah, because <laughs> it's full of sugar. And Sunny D is more on the tang- tangerine side than orange juice side. Yeah, it is. Um, That's okay though, because I haven't. Is be- good. By the way, I haven't had Sunny D since I was probably like 12. Yeah, same. Uh, I do not remember a recent time you know, I you know chose a, to have a Sunny D. A really good drink. The 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 first but, time <laughs> the first time I remember mixing uh, a drink and being like, "Wow, that's really tasty," uh, was I mixed tangerine juice with um, there's like a Captain Morgan or something like that, uh, Long Island iced tea like liquor. That sounds gross. And you m- mixed it with uh, <laughs> sorry, that sounds really juice, gross. And it was really good. It was really good. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> a long ice it like li- liquor. Yeah, they make like they made like a lick. I don't remember what company it was, but it was like liquor that because uh, Long Island iced teas have like a shit ton of stuff in them, um, and most of it's just uh, alcohol. So this yeah. was kind of like Long Island iced tea, like in a bottle, and I mixed it with. Uh, tangerine juice and it was really good i could get behind that yeah it was because you know i i it was when i was a i was like in high school so i had 
the bottle of... Just limited <laughs> options. I had the bottle of liquor, and I had to mix it with something so I didn't get caught just drinking. <laughs> I mean, I still do that. Not to yeah. get caught, but just because I have something and I have liquor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um... So, okay. Let's set the mood in here. Okay. Ooh, turning out one of the lights. Yeah, one of them. Still got to see. <laughs> if you're listening, we, we think that it'd be set the mood. You should turn out all the lights. <laughs> no, but it's in not just dark. There's dark and light. Ah. There's, it's, we'll get to that, okay? <laughs> all right, so... So, yeah, I'm going to be talking about, like, the prehistory, the Age of Agents, and the beginnings of the Age of Fire, along with the War of Fire. Okay. So, so in the beginning, there was basically nothing. A lot of stories start that way. <laughs> but there was some things. Ah. A couple of things, actually. A couple of things. <laughs> so, the world, every, it was colorless and gray. Uh, shrouded in fog. Um, this kind of there's some theories that maybe Demon Souls is like a precursor to Dark Souls, and the bad ending of Demon Souls is the beginning of Dark Souls. Okay. But that's not official. That's just fan canon stuff. Yeah. Um, because in Demon Souls, basically the lack of the lack of souls creates all this fog lack of clarity and in that game souls represent knowledge and clarity okay but anyway so yeah the land is just gray fog and it sucks but no one knows that it sucks because there's nothing else right um but throughout the land there's numerous many arch trees these aren't just regular trees. These trees appear... They basically appear up to hold up the world. Okay. Like... They go so high, you can't see their end. Like, Yggdrasil. Exactly. A world tree. But there's many of them, and... There's all kinds of theories that connect them with other games and stuff. But I'm not going to get into that, because that's a lot. <laughs> So yeah, you have, you have these arch trees everywhere. And we don't really know their significance. Um, it's all kind of vague. <laughs> <laughs> but later on, we do learn some things. But uh, that's not really important at the moment. So yeah, you have all these arch trees. And within all these arch trees are the everlasting dragons. And these mm -hmm. aren't just your grandma's dragon. These aren't drakes. These aren't wyverns. Those come later. Yeah. These are proper dragons. Four legs, big wings. Like Smaug. But more than that. <laughs> um, I know, I, in the movie, he was a wyvern. Or a wyvern, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Well, That's they, when they just have the wings and the legs. Yeah. Back legs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the everlasting dragons, and the reason they're everlasting, and also you later on, or at around the same time, or even before, we're not sure, <laughs> you have the primordial serpents. Mm -hmm. And they will play an important role in the story. 
it's that one guy you meet that has like the weird flesh mustache and the nose, the big serpent guy. You meet him in the first first Dark Souls. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you have the primordial serpents too, but they're not really active. They're kind of just smoking weed or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the everlasting dragons. Their stone scales give them. Ba- they're invincible. They're immortal. And they have no concept of time, of aging, of love, of jealousy, of war, of anger. No concept of anything. They're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Because there's nothing else. (laughs) Um, But, so yeah, for eons, that's how the Like, they would be bored, but they're not because they don't. No one. They're n- they don't know anything else. <laughs> it's boring. Well, it's boring to us, but to them, when you ex- have no, okay, it's when you just have, existence to them. When you have no concept of time, that means it doesn't seem long. Yeah, but sure. nothing seems short. You just it is. <laughs> That's the only way to explain it. And the reason there's no concept of time because there's nothing else to create such a concept yeah. of the passing of days. You know, it just. Everlasting dragons always are and always will be. Well, so far. (laughs) So you have that, but you do have the below. And we don't know much about the below. It's not exactly a land of darkness because that concept doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Um, But it's not the same as the above. It's not all gray and foggy. It's kind of just a dark, dank hole and it sucks <laughs> that's all we really know about it <laughs> but eventually humanoids would begin essentially spawning in the below yeah they just exist like microbacteria it's well they just inevitably will just show up it never really gets into that but <laughs> it is assumed and there is Evidence of evolution in Dark Souls uh, canon. Yeah. And you can really see that with the dragons. But, um, but yeah, just for eons, it was just the everlasting dragons having domain over the world because that's all they ever have done. But these humanoids start to appear. And they kind of form... They don't film like form like a civilization or anything, but they have like a very basic, just like survival-based society, just kind of crawling around in the dark hole. Yeah, and the below survival just of the fittest. Kind of, yeah. I mean, but they didn't really have a choice but just be down there and just kind of exist, <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> but eventually. The first flame would appear. Cheers to that. We don't know how it appeared. Would there be a version of cheers and... Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Yeah. Praise the sun, yes. Uh, Although there's no sun yet or anything like that yet. (laughs) But yeah, the first flame would appear. We don't really know how. It just kind of... (laughs) Out of nowhere, there's a big flame. It's not an ordinary flame, but we'll get to that. But with the first flame came disparity. Mm -hmm. And essentially, heat and cold. 
life and death, light and dark. Finally, there's a concept. There's a, well, not really a balance, I would say, but like there's imbalance now. Disparity. Yeah. There's, <laughs> basically, this brings the concept of time. This brings the concept of just an existence outside of just always being there. Like, yeah, you, it, you know, it's just this alone it br- it brings more to existence than just <laughs> existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, this alone, you could argue would inevitably lead to the demise of the dragons. Yeah. Because this completely foreign element just appeared. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the dragons didn't, you know, breathe fire and stuff. It's a different kind of flame. Yeah, it's not. But they also had no reason to breathe fire back then because they yeah. had no one to fight because they were all chilling. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, but it's not, it's not. It's the, a, uh, Prome- I, Prometheus. It's very Promethean. Well, it is very well, Promethean in the sense that the flame isn't just a flame, but it's a great power. It's knowledge. It's. It's everything embodied yeah. in a flame. Yeah. Well, you know, if you talk about the story of Prometheus, he brings fire to the to humans, um, steals it from the gods, and while that represents, you know, knowledge and power to humans, it, he didn't bring any like special flame to them. It was just like literally fire. Literally fire. This yeah. you're talking about, like it actually is like a different thing than just fire. Well, the reason it's special is because basically the essence, the fuel of the flame essentially are the great Lord souls. Mm -hmm. And these are just immeasurably powerful souls. Okay. And when you have powerful souls like that or anything powerful, we'll get attention. Yeah. But at first, it was ignored for a little bit, but a few humanoids, and I say humanoids because they're not human. There's no humans. There's human-like beings. And many of the gods and stuff look human, but they're not human. We'll get to why. Like how Asgardians are not human. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. Neither are all the other aliens that seem to pop up in Marvel, but... Yeah, even like the human-looking ones. A lot of them look like humans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's because they don't want to do makeup for everybody. (laughs) It's very convenient um, that not all the Kree have blue skin. Right? That some of them are just regular... uh, Some of them just look like Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, But there's no Jude Laws here. (laughs) No Jude Laws here? What? (laughs) What have you gotten me into? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I w- I came into this episode thinking there'd be that like half an Although, episode would just be talking about Jude Law. Jude, <laughs> would you would you watch a uh, and a, a, the first flame? Would you watch a Dark King Souls a Dark Souls movie starring Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr.? I love Jude Law's Gwen art. <laughs> no, I actually I would want um. What uh, what's his name? I would want Kurt Russell to be a Gwen, maybe, but maybe he's too cool for that. I don't know. 
Yeah. But yeah, so they find the first flame, and these four humanoids harness the power of the Lord's soul. Or Lord's souls. Um, so, the four lords, so you have Nito. He's the first of the dead. And it doesn't okay. really explain what exactly that means. Was he the first one to die? Is he just... I don't know. Is he like the first, first guy to... First, like, first in command? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really explain. I think it's... I'm leaning in my head canon. He was the first one to die. Yeah. Because after the fire basically just spawned out of nowhere, that created disparity where there's life and death. Yeah. But he was the first one to die, but he came back absorbing the soul. Mm. Um, because the undead curse basically plagues every humanoid. Yeah. Essentially. Um, it's mostly a human curse, and we'll get to that, but it does affect the lords, essentially. Uh, okay. So, yeah, you have Nito, the first dead. He was in the beginning. Uh, he was he was pretty tough. He had all his skeleton guys in, but if you get him close, you can just get him in the butt, you know? <laughs> that sounded bad. <laughs> but he's the big skeleton guy made of skeletons. Yeah, I, I'm, I am familiar <laughs> with, with what he looks like. In the, in and the- he will play an important role. Um, he kind of... He's yeah, he's important, but he does stick to himself in his own domain mostly. He doesn't really interfere with any affairs after the war of fire, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but then you have the witch of Isolith and her daughters of chaos. Mm-hmm. And they would be the first ones to actually start manipulating the flame. Okay. And they would create pyromancy, essentially. Um they sound like trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they would... The flame they would manipulate would eventually become a flame of chaos. But we'll get to that. Um, And then you have Gwyn. This is probably the most important character in the entire Dark Souls lore. Argue. Well, besides the player character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the player character, the undead, the chosen undead is actually pretty important. That was good. That was good. Okay. So you have Gwyn. He becomes the Lord of Sunlight. He's basically the Zeus of the gang. Yeah. And he's arguably the most powerful. Um, I say arguably because... It's not really clear if he's actually more powerful than other lords. They're all pretty equal Mm -hmm. because they divided the soul amongst themselves. But he is the most controlling, dominating. Yeah. He has the most desperation. Yeah. Even more than the other ones. Well, maybe besides the fourth one. So within all this... All those guys, they were like the popular cool kids. <laughs> Nito's kind of the, you know, goth, but he's like the cool goth he's, everyone likes. He's pretty neat. <laughs> Nito. <laughs> uh, the Witch of Isolith, uh, she was 
pretty popular with her group, and so is Gwen. He's the big jock. Gwen's like the jock quarterback, you know, jock and of the humanoids. <laughs> <laughs> the Witch of Islip was like the, I want to say she was like the cool, she was like the cool drama kid. Okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah, Nito was just like the rock star. Yeah. The emo rock star, but he was still cool enough, you know. He wasn't one of the nerdy emo kids. I mean, he was a bit of a nerd. I mean, they all kind of were. But <laughs> but then you have the nerd. <laughs> um, the furtive pygmy. Um, but the furtive pygmy was on to something. Yeah. Because it, he, it, whatever, discovered the dark soul. Name of the ah. game. Um, not much is really known about exactly what well we know about the dark soul but it's still it's so outside of the first of like the first flame and the lord souls that it's arguably the most powerful um but the fur to pick me when it really it's not that he it wasn't involved It's just that the fur to pygmy was kind of forgotten, very much forgotten in history. And it's not just because it got lost in history. No, it was purposely put to the side. Yeah. Um, cast out. Well, it wasn't cast out quite yet. But the fur to pygmy is, based, is the primordial man. Oh, okay. Because... When the when it discovered the dark soul, that led to the basically to the creation, well, the discovery of the abyss. Mm-hmm. And the abyss is essentially just a void of nothing, <laughs> of pure darkness, and it's very powerful, very corrupting. The fur to pygmy, after we don't know how long, but after feeding off the dark soul and the abyss. Would eventually become Manus. Um, you can look him up. He's a big, big <laughs> monster. Uh, he's Manus <laughs> is the primordial man. Therefore, defer to pygmy. Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, that all happened. They discovered these souls, and already Gwen very much feared the dark feared the dark soul feared humanity mm-hmm. and what humanity is in dark souls it's not just a description of <laughs> you know what makes us a human what the human race is but it's mm-hmm. literally yeah. a thing it's literally an essence yeah humanity it's those uh, little black sprites that you see in the game mm-hmm. that you fuel into the fire that you use to reverse the hollowing yeah yeah because as you ho- as the player character in all undead hollow, they lose their humanity, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because humanity comes from the dark soul, from the dark. Okay, but it is essential in fueling the flame. Mm. Well, not essential, but humanity and the flame go together so well, and that creates like humans as we know it, essentially. And the less humanity you have, you have less the fuel, your like inner flame, your inner self, and you become darkened and hollow. 
and you eventually become just a feral undead. Yeah. Zombie, basically. Um, but yeah, Gwen very much feared the dark. Uh, but he chose not to do anything about it quite yet because he wasn't really in a position to because that would be like, you know, it would be like the U.S. declaring war on Canada. You don't, you just don't do that. You just kind of <laughs> leave Canada alone. It's like, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the U.N. would take lightly to that. Yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> I don't think the U.N. would appreciate it. Would it really matter? Yeah. I don't want to get political. But, but yeah, so he... Lex, Except for in the, the Fallout universe, that's what happened. Is the United oh, States yeah. next Canada. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but Gwen, he would let the fur of pygmy do its thing, but it kind of got left out. Mm-hmm. Would be involved, or at least its descendants would be involved. So... We don't know how long. Time is very convoluted in Dark Souls. Yeah. That's kind of Miyazaki just being lazy, but it's convoluted. <laughs> um, so eons would go on, or however long, a couple thousand years or whatever, where they're just kind of building up their civilization in the below. So the Witch of Isolith and her daughters, they would gain more followers, more pyromancers, essentially, and would have their own kind of like group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwen, he would bestow like a portion, I believe he would bestow a portion on the power on, on his silver knights and they weren't human, but they weren't exactly gods. They were kind of somewhere in between, mm-hmm. but yeah, he would build up his army of silver knights and they would, they would play an important role. Um, Nito just kind of was an undead boy. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> He had a lot of skeletons. Just hanging out. Just doing, hanging out. Yeah. He, his undead stuff. He had a lot of skeletons and he would keep making more death and disease, but he wouldn't bring death to the gods because that would be like, that would be mean, you know? Uh, so <laughs> he doesn't do that. But they're kind of just, kind of just building up to something. And they know that the everlasting dragons have dominion over the above, above the rest of the world. Yeah. But they don't quite do anything yet because they can't do anything yeah, yet they're, still, they're, they're still so powerful but there's still nothing yeah to the everlasting dragons at the moment and the everlasting dragons don't really take notice of this development mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just chilling it goes ignored they just keep doing their thing being dragons living in trees <laughs> just I don't know what they do, but <laughs> they just kept doing it. We're kind of building up to the war of fire, but then some important events would occur before the war of fire that would lead to it, actually. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we it's not really sure if Seif... Okay, so Seif would be... Would exist. We're not sure if Seif was born after Discovery Fire. I like to think he was because Seif was the first dragon. Seif the Scaleless? Yes, Seif the Scaleless. First dragon without scales. First dragon to be mortal. And this would lead to desperation, jealousy, ambition, fear. Things that the other everlasting dragons, well, 
he wasn't everlasting. But the other <laughs> dragons didn't know. They didn't know the concept of those things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he would begin to kind of scheme. Um. So yeah, the um. So basically. Seep would end up betraying the dragons. Mm -hmm. And this would lead to the War of Fire. But the War of Fire was not easily fought at all. Um, <laughs> but Seep would... Um, he would go to Gwen in secret and tell him the dragon's uh, weakness. Mm. What was the dragon's weakness? It, uh, it was revealed that lightning could peel their scale, their stone scales off, making them mortal. Oh. And Gwen was like, "Cool, um, <laughs> I want those. I want those trees. I want those rocks. I want that land. Whatever. Gwen's I like, want that whole lot of nothing." Gwen's like, "That's a lot. That's a good thing to know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> useful information. Yeah, so good, sir." So Gwen would master lightning uh casting or he he was the lord of sunlight and the japanese translation is the war, uh, lord of all light okay and i like to think that's what he is the lord of all light Incl so that would include, include lightning lightning you know yeah. electricity just anything based off of photons <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he would master the art of lightning and he would declare war against the dragons. And the dragons, may I say, they're kind of made out to be the bad guys, but they don't do anything. <laughs> they, they just existed they, and then Gwen <laughs> declared war on them. Yeah, they never bothered any of the humanoids. Yeah. Even after the first flame was discovered. They just left them alone. They just, yeah, they left them alone. They were like, did okay, that's kind of weird. Did their dragon shit up in the trees? And it's like, you know, the first flame appeared and then they started smelling smoke and like, oh, I never smelled anything before. That's weird. <laughs> oh, and they see the flame and they're like, hmm, that's weird. I've never seen anything like that. I've only seen gray trees. <laughs> but okay, it's cool. And they leave all alone. <laughs> but the lords do not. Especially Gwen. He his ambition Sounds sounds a lot like the Lords are the bad guys. They're the actors. They kind of are, uh, especially Gwen, may I say. Yeah. But so But at the same time, it's like none of the uh events of the game, like your character, for example, would have never possibly never come to be if not for these events happening. Yeah, we want to have a game. Yeah, so, you know, dragons aren't they ain't the bad guys, but Gwen made the game happen. But uh, before we go <laughs> on, um, I've heard that you have some uh, trivia for me. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got some trivia. Some Test of my it, Dark Souls knowledge. Some of it's, uh, most of it's ripped from various places online. Of uh, course. Some of it's not very, uh, not very hard. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not a Dark Souls lore guy, so maybe it's all super easy for you. But you are the the, the lore master. <laughs> I say that, uh, yeah. Um, one uh, 
one question that uh, talking about Gwen. All right. That this is a. I may answer this later, but this is a theory question about uh, mainly which uh, there's a there's a couple characters in Dark Souls. One of them I have specifically in mind, who is theorized by some fans, but it's argued about on being related to Gwen. Okay. And as an extra hint is uh, before the Nameless King DLC came out, they thought he might have been... I know exactly what you're talking about. ...the firstborn. So throughout the game, while playing the game, we learn about the firstborn of Gwen. And I was actually going to get to that pretty quickly. (laughs) <laughs> um, after some stuff. But the first Bordeguin, he would become a god of war. Mm-hmm. He would be very crucial in the war of fire. Uh, so important, in fact, that he end up, ended up being battle compatriots with uh, some of Gwen's greatest, well, his main lieutenants, basically, which we'll get to. But, um, but anyways, he ended up betraying Gwen. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the lords. Because he kind of... Like you were saying, the lords are kind of the bad guys. Yeah. The dragon, like I said, the it's dragons like, are it's just like it's chilling. Told, it's like it's told from their perspective, but they're definitely not good guys. Yeah. Um, but, well, you end up fighting them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so how can they be? But um, some of them had good intentions, and we'll get to that. But, um, so even Gwen had good intentions. At least at first. He was just so ambitious, mm-hmm. so driven by. Kind of shot himself in the foot a bit. Oh, he shot himself in the foot so many times. I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> but yeah, his, yeah, the firstborn of Gwen, the god of war, he, um, crucial in the war fire, but he would betray the gods. Um, because he felt disillusioned. He felt. Basically, he felt bad for the dragons. He ended up befriending one of them, a storm drake from the east. Um, and this one, I can't remember if it was a primordial dragon. He might have gotten after the war of fire. I think so. But he ended up befriending the dragons, or at least some of them, and he betrayed Gwyn. Well, after the war of fire, the gods still won. The lords still won. Yeah. Gwen's firstborn was banished from the land. His name was annulled from history. They knew nothing about him. You would find destroyed statues of what appeared to be the firstborn of Gwen. Mm-hmm. Find statues of uh, Gwendolyn cradling her son, cradling her son. And Gren- Gwendolyn is G- Gwen's. Okay, <laughs> it gets a little ancestral. <laughs> I can't remember who Gwen's wife is. I don't think he has a wife, but his daughter, Gwendolyn. Um, <laughs> Gwen just kind of had a son. I, I forgot how. He just had one. Because he could kind of just spawn people, sort of. Yeah. With the first flame. Um, but there was a big theory. Because in the first Dark Souls, we didn't know. So we theorized. And there was a big theory, and he's one of our favorites, that... Solaire, Knight mm-hmm. Solaire Vitorius. I mean, uh, Astera, sorry. 
um, he Astoria. Sorry, <laughs> but he okay. So here here's why. Here's why we think he was the firstborn of Gwen. Yeah, he's always praising the sun. Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Which is the motion you put your arms up like this. <laughs> he's always praising the sun. He's always talking about finding his own son. By he's and he's traveling to the land of the gods. And this is before we knew all the betrayed the gods thing, the whole we didn't really know much of that. Yeah. We just knew there was a firstborn of Gwen that was banished from history, essentially. <laughs> so we didn't know exactly the situation. And he also had the lightning ability, just like Gwen. Yeah. The player character can learn that, but he, he's who you get it from, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and he had the Sun T-shirt. <laughs> and Iconic. He was just a jolly, a jolly guy. Jolly cooperation. But there was a mystery to him. We didn't know much about him, and we started filling the gaps. And fairly logically theorized that he was the firstborn of Gwen. Yeah. That would be wrong. Yeah, because they would do the uh, Nameless King. Well, DLC. Dark Souls 3 would reveal a lot of answers. Um, Dark Souls 2 wouldn't really do much. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dark Souls 2 is actually good. It has a good story and lore to it, but it really doesn't... It only barely connects to the original lore. Yeah. Like, it's very distant. And I get what they were doing, that it was like a new age, essentially, an age of man. Not an age of darkness, but yeah. kind of an age of man. But it sucked. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there's people that really like Dark Souls 2 for its mechanics and everything. But it's a, it's a cheap cash grab of a sequel. There wasn't much thought and put into it. Uh, Miyazaki was barely involved. It was mostly mm -hmm. Bandai Namco just trying to get a cash grab. But yeah. that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing, and I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I mean, I would. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of the theory. That That's the main one, that uh, Solaire was the firstborn of Gwen. Yeah. There's another Solaire theory, a much sadder one, that uh, it comes up in Dark Souls 3. Yeah. But um, I don't feel like that's good to talk about right now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was the correct answer to my question. Thank you. It was Solaire. Um, some people, even though the uh, Dark Souls 3 threw a wrench into that theory a little bit, some people still argue that he's at least still related to Gwen somehow. You know, he could be a descendant of the Nameless King. Yeah, could be, potentially. could be a descendant. Some... Uh, I've even seen on uh, on threads online of people say like there's not a lot of evidence, but it's still likely <laughs> they'll still admit that like yeah, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because there's so many Solaire fanboys. Yeah, you know? I think that's part of it. Is people just really want that to be true? Um, no, Solaire. I mean, he was basically just a normal human knight that traveled to the land of undead sometime before you. I think actually. that makes it cooler when you meet him. You're actually kind of time traveling. Yeah. A bit. And then when you summon him to fight for you, you're basically summoning his soul to fight for you. Yeah. His spirit. Um, which is another weird thing because 
the timeline of Dark Souls, like when you start playing Dark Souls as the player character, as the nameless undead, mm-hmm. chosen undead, it could have been a thousand years after War of Dragon, War of Fire. It could have been a million years. It could have been as long as the dinosaurs were around. It's hard to. It could have been eons and eons. We don't know, and we don't know at what timeline Solaire was around. We only yeah. have ideas. But yeah, yeah, that was a. I remember. I I actually believe that um, Solaire was the son of Gwen. It was a pretty convincing theory. Yeah. There's a lot of lines of dialogue from Solaire that make you believe that. I think it's um, almost cooler that there's like nothing really that special about his about him. Well, he's just a guy. The special thing about Solaire is just his joy in the face of death. Yeah. He is well, he was originally I mean, he's a meme, but I mean in story, he's one of the only glimmers of like hope and fun that you get. Yeah. Um, there's another character that is very much like Solaire, and he's just as revered, actually, especially after Dark Souls Three, because he comes <laughs> well a version. Well, one of his civilization comes back basically, but Sigurd of Katarina, yeah, the Onion Knights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about their land. I haven't read all their item descriptions recently. But they were basically these knights from a fairly distant land that um, adorned these, like, round armor, like onion armor. And they were very boastful, joyous knights, always drinking, (laughs) you know. There is um, another Dark Souls drink that we could have made. But it's like a hot toddy type thing. But Sigbrow. It's what the knights of Katarina drink. Nice. The onion knights. But it's like a hot, like, soupy thing. It doesn't sound that good, honestly, but apparently it lifts the spirits. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's get to the War of Fire for a bit. Okay. So, the dragons, since it was all gray and foggy up there and, like, so many trees, so many dragons, it wasn't exactly easy to just find them and just start fighting them. Like, say, fuck you, dragons. I want your rocks. <laughs> And yeah, Gwen did want a big pile of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That is his motivation. It is funny how the lords, even though they're not humans and they don't have the dark soul of humanity, they're so human. Waging war over just land, essentially. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Dominion over the earth. Um, and there's a little bit of jealousy and spite in there too. Stuff that at the you know the end of the day doesn't matter all that much. Well, and the thing about the dragons, they never really knew or cared. I mean, it was kind of a lack of empathy, but it was also just a lack of knowledge that they were had dominion over all these humanoids underneath them. Yeah, it's like go go on a walk in the park. Think about all the bugs, all the ants and whatever that you're probably stepping on or stepping by. Mm-hmm. You don't care for them. You don't acknowledge them. But they probably <laughs> very much <laughs> care about what you're doing Yeah, and acknowledge what you're doing. So it's kind of like that. It's just kind of unknowingly um, dominating presence of the dragons. Yeah. But yeah, the lords, and especially Gwen, did not take that lightly. 
<laughs> and so the beginning of the war of fire literally started with fire. Uh, and I'm not talking about the first flame. I'm talking about the chaos flames of the witches of Isolith. Mm-hmm. Um, and the witch of Isolith herself. Um, so they would start burning the great arch trees with their pyromancy. Okay. And they kind of did this to snuff out the dragons. And so they could also have like a clear battlefield to fight on. <laughs> and that's kind of my assumption. Um, so after that. Were the dragons initially just like, what the fuck? Oh, I bet they were. Yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> just guys doing? they're just chilling forever for all of existence. And then all of a sudden, these weird ladies start burning their trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would be like, what the fuck, too? But at the same time, like I said in the beginning, the first flame spawning in the first place would lead to the demise of the dragons because that mm-hmm. creates the aspect of time, yeah. of life, of death. Um, so Gwen and his army of silver knights, Gwen would uh, you know, hurl the lightning dragons, peel their stone scales off. And, but it was not an easy war, like I said before. For every dragon that was slain, scores and scores of Gwen's army were slain. Yeah. Even with the lightning, it was a very one-sided battle. <laughs> but, god damn it, they were persistent little fuckers. <laughs> and, and also, I want to get to why, why is the pygmy called the pygmy? You would Why? know that pygmies are like small beings. Yeah. Um, humanity derives from the fur of pygmy. And your player character, your human, is much smaller than any of the bosses, even the humanoid ones, even the lords. Mm-hmm. They're all, well, they're not giants. Giants are a separate race. And they're even bigger than the lords, mostly. Um, and giants play a really sad. I didn't look too much into the story of the giants, but they were kind of used as slave knights. Yeah. Not to the extent, well, we'll get to it, but not to the extent of the human knights. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still not quite humans yet. They're still primordial humans. Yeah. Um, more dark wraiths than humans. Well, they would come later, but... Okay, <laughs> so yeah, Gwen would peel off the stone scales of dragons, revealing their weakness, revealing their mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wouldn't just kill them alone. It would kill some of them, um, but... Yeah, you still have to... Nito would finish them off because Nito would introduce the concept of death to them oh. through a miasma of disease and pestilence and just death in general and just sucky bad things and yeah. skeleton boys. <laughs> so yeah um most it's it is kind of sad most of these everlasting dragons would die um there would be drakes that eventually come up some of them are bred by gwen himself mm-hmm. um there is one everlasting dragon that gwen actually employed and it's i'm not talking about steve okay but um we'll get to that but so and yeah, Seif, instead of slaying Seif. Oh, let me talk. Wait, wait. Let me talk about the war again. 
So Gwen had his army of silver knights. Leading that army were his four main lieutenants, his four great knights. Okay. You have Dragon Slayer Ornstein. You fight him. You mm. fight him and execute your Smo, but Smo was not a knight. It was a in fact Gwen actually kind of despised Smo. Okay. But he only had him in his employ just because he knew how crucial he was because of his brutality, basically. That he yeah. he didn't like it, but he needed it. Okay. Um and he would be important later on during the Age of Fire. But um and then you have Hawkeye Go. We don't know much about him. Um you have Artorius. Mm-hmm. He would eventually become known as Artorius the Abyss Walker. But there's a little weird history of that. He's n- he is the Abyss Walker, but he's not really. You are. The player is. Okay. It's kind of false history in the Dark Souls history. Um, and then you have Blade Syrian, and he was a giant. Um, and then... You have Havel the Rock. He wasn't one of his official, like, knights. But Havel the Rock was one of Gwen's greatest battle compatriots. Okay. They were best buddies. (laughs) And it's not really clear if he was a human or not. But he's definitely humanoid. But Havel the Rock, what's really cool about him, and I'm at the end of my notes, so I'm going to just be going off the wiki, which we'll post links to. And what I remember from Vadi Vidya. And just what I remember from Flane. But, <laughs> and yeah, I just want to, I mean, I know I've gone on a while, but we put in the description our sources for the Dark Souls wiki. Yeah. Vadi Vidya, like, so important to all this. Pulled a lot of this from that. But I'm coming up with my own stuff, too. Um, but Havel the Rock, he was a boss. He was a... <laughs> He was so powerful. Just not because he had like a powerful soul. No, he was just powered by spite, essentially. Because <laughs> he hated dragons. He the hated most dragons. powerful emotion. He hated dragons spite. more than Gwen. He hated more dragons more than Dragon Slayer Ornstein. Yeah. This guy was so metal that he created his armor out of the stones of the dragon scales basically making him invincible except to lightning nice um and he also his weapon (laughs) was a dragon tooth which he used as a mace oh wow and he himself slayed scores of dragons damn so while scores and multitudes of the silver knights were dying by his side he just kept fucking pushing through it just killing dragon after dragon. Obviously, with the aid of Bornstein, who also harnessed the power of lightning. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was a badass. But, like I said, he really hated dragons. We'll get to that. <laughs> it's a lot of we'll get to that in this <laughs> one. But, um, so the war waged on, and eventually to gain an upper hand with Nito's help, with the witches of Isolith. And, um, also, though, there's an unnamed, unmentioned force in this war until we get to Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3, you eventually travel in the DLC to the Ring City. Yeah. 
And the Ring City is basically the domain of the Pygmy Lords. Because the Furta Pygmy want to go on to live forever. Yeah. Well, he would become Manus, but you would eventually slay him in the Abyss when you get the Ring of Artorias, all the stuff. Yeah. But the Pygmy Lords would go on, and they would pass on the Dark Soul from each other. Okay. And Gwen... Because he was dealing with the board dragons are about to, it's kind of unclear on whenever. I think he did this just before the war dragons are like the beginning of it. But since he was dealing with that, instead of slaying or trying to eliminate humanity, mm-hmm. and Gwen, he is, he does try to be like self righteous and thinks he's good. So what he does, it still ends up biting him in the ass. <laughs> yeah. As most of the things, all the <laughs> things he does. But what he does, he sends, he creates, he helps the pygmy lords. He gives them this great big kingdom. But he puts it at the end of the world. And kind of literally like at the end of time somehow. Because <laughs> he wants to be so far away from those people and their darkness. And um, yeah, he gives them the ring city. But... At the cost, basically as an exchange of giving them this great kingdom of man, a primordial man. He, uh, so they raise up these knights, these human knights, or humanoid knights. It's kind of unclear. And he gives... We're getting very close to humans being a thing. We're almost there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... And this is actually kind of what leads up to humans being a thing. But they're empowered with the abyss. Gwen allows this. Can you can you explain a little bit more about what the abyss is exactly? Okay. The abyss is basically the essence of dark, of the dark soul of darkness. Okay. It's like in the game you can use abyssal magic, you can use dark sorcery, dark fire. It's basically the complete opposite of fire. It's not like cold. It's how do I explain it? it? In the game mechanics, darkness gives you curse buildup. Okay. Essentially, and it accelerates your hollowing kind of the opposite of light, but in the sense of in Dark Souls, light is not just literally light. It's also no. the essence of things as well. Yeah, but it's. Necessary. It is. Uh, you could even argue the abyss itself is necessary, but the dark soul is necessary. Humanity is necessary, because you can't have a fire mm. without darkness. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't care if there was a fire if there was no darkness for it to light up. You know yeah. what I mean? True. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the fuel of that fire is souls, but it can also be humanity. Um which is those sprites I talked about. But yeah, I mean, he, these knights get the power of the abyss. I mean, also, also you know, in, in that same sort of vein of logic, uh, the abyss would also be dependent on light to exist as well. So not just, you know, light is something to light up the abyss yeah, kind of, because the whole idea going to the spawning of the first plane created mm-hmm. disparity, light and dark. Yeah. You can't have one without the other, because before the first flame, there was no concept of light or dark. It was just gray nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
that's the best way I can explain it. It's okay. still kind of vague. <laughs> it's kind of the essence of humanity, but it's only like a part of humanity. Um, but anyways, Gwen employs these knights as slave knights. Mm. And because he's scared of the dark, but he knows how powerful it is. He's not stupid. He encases their abyss energy, their darkness, and a ring of fire. Yeah. Burns, burn, burn, ring of fire. Johnny Cash. He was listening to Johnny Cash because <laughs> he existed before the primordial serpents, of course. Okay. <laughs> Johnny, and, along with Keith Richards. <laughs> Johnny Cash and Keith Richards. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> but the ultimate forces in the Dark Souls universe. Yeah, confirmed. But. But yeah, he gives them the ring of fire around him, and that's the Dark Souls logo, basically. The corona with the orange flame. Yeah. It's like an eclipse. That kind of is the precursor of the undead curse. Okay. And these knights are the first... Well, they're basically the first of the undead. Here's a piece of trivia for you. All right. What is the name of the mark which brands those with the undead curse? That is the dark sign. Correct. That is essentially what they are branded with, like the first instance of the dark sign. Okay. And this would lead to official humans, not just <laughs> vague humanoids. <laughs> but they were employed as slave knights, and they were very important to the war because they could just die and die and die over and over and keep coming back. Mm. So Gwen would often... So it doesn't matter how many the dragons kill... No, there and Gwen doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but they eventually get sent back to the Ring City and they become like the army of that city. But shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> Big time there. Uh but yeah, they were slave knights. And it is sad, but it you know, it's just part of it. <laughs> but they're none not of, none of this isn't sad. <laughs> yeah, but they're not quite dark wraiths. Um, that's a separate. Basically, they would become dark wraiths if they weren't branded with the dark sign, with uh, the ring of fire. Okay, with Gwen's fire. Um, at least that's the way I see it. But uh, oh, this hat's getting hot. I'm wearing my "You Died" hat. <laughs> um, I it's had hot, to. It's hot in this room. Yeah, definitely does. Can't but, wait um, for winter to roll around. But that's that's part of the lore. <laughs> but yeah, he employs slave knights, and we don't learn that into Dark Souls 3 when we actually start fighting them. And what's really cool oh. is a lot of them have separate had heads of the dragons. Some of them give you like shockwave, like shock, like staggering damage. Some of them brew fire, the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So they were so badass, they used dragons as weapons as well. Nice. There would eventually be a whole cult that would eventually try to transmorgify themselves into dragons. Mm. But that's a that's a thing. That's a whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> but um so yeah, they were employed in the war forcefully, um forcefully drafted without any choice. Um but they were very powerful. So yeah, he would Basically exile them to the Ring City and be like, live in your happy little kingdom far away, trapped forever until the end of time. 
I do not want to deal with you or look at you. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that would bike win in the house. <laughs> but so after the war to fire, instead of slaying Steve along, as you would think Gwen would, you think he was just using Steve, right? Yeah. He didn't. He actually <laughs> gave Steve dukedom, made him a well, lord. You know, it seems like Gwen isn't always an asshole. No, but he yeah. <laughs> he's it's it is actually kind of sad and and tragic in his case because he he does bad things, but at the same time he tries to make up for it by being somewhat nice to the pygmies by giving their kingdom. I mean, yeah, he traps them there forever till the end time, whatever. Yeah. But he thinks it's a good thing because he's letting them live. And in his twisted in his twisted way. way and then like, like that's good. It's he's like he's like either I kill them off and since or Seif, I trap them at the end of time. If it wasn't for Seif, there wouldn't be a war of fire. Yeah. They would have no they would not know how to defeat the dragon. So he gives Seif dukedom. He gives them his own study, basically, his own kind of a kingdom. It's more of a just like giant study. Duke Seif. Yeah, Duke Seif the scaleless. <laughs> and uh yeah, he was such a nerd. I remember fighting him. He wasn't actually that hard. So, Seif does acquire immortality. Kind of. So, what he does, he harnesses it in this crystal. He's like doing crystal magic, making crystal meth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As you do. And he does become immortal. That's why he's still around. But Was it like if you destroy the crystal? Yeah, if you destroy the crystal, he becomes mortal. Again. So, he's like a lich. Yeah, he is very much like a lich. Yeah. With a, what, what, is, but, what, is, what is the thing a lich puts their soul in called a phylactery? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it. This is where it gets weird. Well, we, okay, we won't get to the weird part quite yet. What time are we at? Just uh, uh We're an hour and uh, nine minutes. Okay, that's about right. So Havel the Rock, as I mentioned before, he was best buddies with Quinn. They would fight uh, side by side on the battlefield. A phylactery, a phylactery. That's is, what they would. St- it's a it's a a box type object. It can be take different forms. That is when a lich, kind of like uh, a horcrux. Yeah, kind of like a horcrux. When a lich uh, become achieves immortality, what they do is they basically manage to put their soul into the phylactery. They can they can capture other in certain different fantasy versions. They can capture other souls in there too. Oh. To like become more powerful. So yeah, that's what Steve but, does. Uh, he, the, a lich puts their soul into a phylactery and gains immortality. So to truly kill a lich, like say in Dungeons and Dragons, to truly kill a lich, you have to kill its phylactery. Which, yeah. which uh, uh, none of you listening will get this, but if you remember uh, that D&D game we played with Gibson, and at the end we fought the lich and the dragon at the top of that tower. Oh um, yeah. Gibson never had us destroy a phylactery. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we just killed the, the lich's body, basically. Uh, I think he was maybe planning on doing something more of that. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, he gives Steve dukedom, but he also <laughs> makes Steve kind of his sire. Um, so, Gwen's daughter, his first daughter, Gwendolyn, you eventually meet her in the game. Well, you meet an illusion of her, yeah. but she's just giant woman, b- big breast, 
and she's really cool when you meet the game when you meet her in the game like this majestic music plays you see her big breasts that's in the game that's just how it is look her up i'm looking it up <laughs> there's a lot of fan art of it Dark Sun Gwendolyn? I'm not talking about Dark Sun Gwendolyn. I'm talking about is it Gwen? It's Guinevere. Sorry. Oh, Gwen. Guinevere. That's got to be the one. Guinevere, like the King Arthur. Uh, is that yeah, a character? That's very like, much like King Arthur. Is that like a character in King there Arthur? There she is, Guinevere. Yeah, Gwendolyn. We'll get to Gwendolyn. That weirdo. Um. Yeah. There we go. There's an M game image. Lots of fan art. You're right, though. Yeah, lots of fan <laughs> art. I told you. But yeah, you eventually meet. Uh, go, go look up fan art on uh, Deviant Art. <laughs> I'll probably find some You'll weird probably shit. get into Rule 34 eventually. Yeah. But um, so this is where it gets a little weird. <laughs> so, now it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Gwen basically is like, hey, Steve, you're a bro. You can sire my daughter. Seif? Yeah, Seif, the dragon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how eventually we get Priscilla. Wait. The half um, dragon, half god. Okay. Lady. Yeah. Um, she's like the character you don't, she's like the boss you don't have, to, one of the bosses you don't have to fight, right? I always thought she was just an NPC, but I guess if you fight her, I don't know. I think I remember that being. I, uh, I can't remember. That was in three? Yeah, uh, I'd have to look this. I just remember I've seen videos on this. Uh. But, but yeah, he. <laughs> so to extend his lineage, he basically makes Seath part of the family, and um, crossbreed Priscilla. Yeah, crossbreed Priscilla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can fight her. You can fight her. You yeah. can. Yeah, if you attack, if you attack her, she will fight back. And but yeah, she'll aggro you. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, I never fought her. I always thought she was cool. I think the point is that they don't. I guess I wasn't trying to get that ending. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've seen people talk about it online and talk about it. It's, it's one of those uh, character, you know, in many video games, everyone's a character that you kill that, like, you feel really bad about. Oh, yeah. And she's apparently one of those. Like, you can fight her and kill her, but then well, the, game, the game makes you feel really bad about what's it. What's great about Dark Souls, if you're an idiot and accidentally hit R1... Or you drop your controller. You can aggro anybody. You yeah. can kill anybody. You ruin aspects of the game. <laughs> there is a guy you can go to. I forgot his name, but where you can like uh for he can forgive your sins and the character will not aggro you anymore. Oh yeah. I forgot if there was a way to actually bring them back. I don't think there is. So if you kill them all the way, you're pretty screwed for any quest lines with that character or items they give you. Um yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> this does. Say, I have done that. This does say on the wiki here uh, for Crosby Priscilla. Warning, it's on all caps. Warning, do not kill her in a single hit. Doing so will soft lock the game. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It does wow. not. Wow. So if you, it does if not you manage to have a powerful enough weapon and stats, yeah, kill it, her in a single hit. It does not elaborate why. <laughs> soft locks the game. But that will soft lock the game. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, uh where was I? Seif siring with Guinevere. Right. So yeah, that happens. And Havel 
actually he he starts to plot against Seif. And by extension, Gwen. He thinks it's a it's blasphemy blasphemy that Gwen allows Seif to be in the royal family. Ah. Uh, gave him juked like, him. Seif should die like all the other. Should have died immediately. Yeah, right after he was done using him. But Havel knowing that Gwen is so powerful now with Seif at his aid, with all his silver knights. He just goes in exile. Yeah. He realizes that it's just something he can manage. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, this brings us into the Age of Fire. Okay. Which, the game actually takes place in Age of Fire, but, like, way late in the Age of Fire. So, we're in the beginning of the Age of Fire. Everything, all's well. And Orlando is built... It's the great kingdom of the gods of Gwyn, essentially, of his royal family. You have Sieve's study adjacent Anne Arlando. Um, the realm of Lordran is formed. It's kind of a lower human-based realm that Gwyn kind of allows that is below Anne Arlando, essentially. Okay. And then you also have New Londo. New Londo is pretty interesting in the story because... What about Orlando? Orlando. Orlando. That's uh, that's in Florida. That's in dank swamps. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> that's where the fabled Florida man lives. <laughs> He's the boss that they, they decided to cut from the game. Yeah, they cut that from the game. He was too difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, you have... So yeah, Alan Orlando, the realm of the gods, Lordran's kind of the realm of men, all is well. But then in, and we're past the prehistory stuff now. We're kind of getting into almost the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. but not quite. We still got ways to go. But so New Londo, this is the realm of the four kings. Okay. And the four kings, Gwen, and this is another fallacy of Gwen. He starts giving out pieces of his soul, of the Lord's soul. He, I don't know why. I mean, he thinks he's like being good. I don't know, but he gives Steve part of his Lord's soul. He gives the four kings, each of them a piece of the Lord's soul. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even talk about the witches of Isolith yet. No. And like what they fucked up on. (laughs) Okay, while this is all going on, after the war fire, the beginning of the fire. Actually, we know this doesn't come yet. So yeah, all is well. And New Londo is the realm of the four kings, but New Londo, as it seems, is very close to the abyss. Mm-hmm. And the abyss starts creeping up into New Londo, and it starts becoming a realm of like dark wraiths, and just it's just a bad place. And Gwen is like, that sucks. No. We're not having that. So Gwen doesn't do this himself, but I think it's, I'm not exactly sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the people of Lordran essentially that decide, under the authority of Gwen ultimately, that decide to flood New Londo to sway off the darkness, the abyss. Okay. And doing so, they kill thousands of innocent lives that have nothing to do with the dark magic that's going on down there. Yeah. So it's still really bad. But 
And that's who you, that's the ghost you encounter down there. Mm. That's just all the dead. And they became, I forgot exactly why they weren't just undead and they became ghosts, but that's another story. (laughs) But, but yeah, you have these dark rapes coming up and this is kind of, and this is, it leads to the abyss, but it's not as close as to abyss as Ulysil is. But, um, well, kind of, it is, but Ulysil is even more, it's basically if New Londo wasn't flooded, you would go Ulysil. Okay. And Ulysil is this land that Atorius traveled to in, in an effort to sway off the abyss, to fight the abyss. All right. But, um, but would, yeah. Would the abyss unchecked eventually consume everything? Kind of, because when you have... So the flame begin, begins fading. Mm-hmm. So as the flame fades, the abyss becomes stronger, essentially. Becomes bigger, okay. more powerful, uh, darker. And um, so first, before Gwen pulls any shit, Gwen doesn't really notice. Well, he notices, but he doesn't do anything quite yet. But the Witch of Izalith, she and her daughters of chaos come up with this great idea. <laughs> so she's like, wait. If the first flame is fading, why don't we just make a new one? <laughs> right. <laughs> Good <laughs> because idea. They know how to manipulate it. Yeah. So that's fair enough. So she attempts to recreate the first flame. And doing so, she creates the chaos flame. And this, basically, when she does this, she becomes the bed of chaos, this boss you fight. It's most likely it's the witch of eyes live it's pretty much confirmed but and it's a bad boss fight the devs even know that it's the only boss that doesn't reset after you die oh meaning when you come back there's like there's three orbs you gotta kill and and then once you kill them you're pretty much done but it's uh, it's an obstacle course boss that's a platforming boss and dark souls oh that sounds awful I mean, Darks three, uh, Dark Souls three has a l- <laughs> jumping finally. Well, better jumping. <laughs> Dark Souls one is not a platformer in any sense. Yeah. Um, but they made a platformer boss. But after they made it, they were like, "Oh, this sucks." So let's make it where it doesn't reset. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> the Witch Eyes Lip becomes a bit better chaos. Her daughters all become distorted and twisted. One of them, uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. She's the one that becomes the spider lady. <laughs> but in creating the chaos flame, because the flame kind of is a spawner of life in a way, mm-hmm. but when the Witch of Izalev creates the chaos flame, she creates demons. Hmm. And Izalev is lost. It becomes plagued by demons. But Gwen is like, okay, you and... The fair lady? No, I'm not talking about the fair lady. She's the one that's like... Quaylog. Quaylog. Yeah, she's the spider lady. She's the one human on top, spider on bottom. She has a big flame sword. She's a pretty decent boss. Um, Not too bad. But, so yeah, demons are created. And Quinn doesn't really bat an eye. <laughs> Quinn doesn't do anything about this, yeah, actually. That's fine. He's like, eh, as long as you and your demons just kind of stay there, 
Don't come in on Orlando, although they eventually do. Um, <laughs> but Gwen does realize that demons, okay, let's keep them around because they can help fight off the dark, fight off humanity, fight off any dragons that are left. Yeah. Speaking of dragons that are left, it's not just Seath. So there's a couple everlasting dragons left. One of them you meet um, by an old arch tree. One of the last remaining arch trees. Okay. Um, another one. Now, this one's really important. So Gwen, being the genius that he is, and this is actually a smart thing he did. It actually didn't bite him in the ass. This is the one thing that didn't. <laughs> so he gets this everlasting dragon. And it's, I guess, because the age of disparity is created, it's like a baby everlasting dragon, but there usually wouldn't be. Yeah. But it, basically, he raises it as a pet. It becomes um, Dark Eater Meteor. Meteor. Okay. And it's this dragon that is meant to guard the edge of the abyss for all time, forever. Um, and it is sent to the Ring City because that's like the basically the original spawning of the abyss. Yeah. So yeah, Dark Eater Meteor sent there, but as anyone that's trying to guard the abyss or fight the abyss eventually becomes consumed by the abyss. Mirror does as well. Okay. But the dragon ends up getting abyssal powers, but still guards the abyss. It hasn't become corrupted. Um, and abyssal powers, it's not just dark magic, dark flames, but it can shoot lasers. <laughs> it's one of the hardest bosses, if not the hardest Where boss. Lasers come has from? the most HP because you're fighting an everlasting dragon that's imbued with the abyss. So it's extra powerful. <laughs> but but yeah, that's one of the things that happens during or a little bit after the war of fire. Um and yeah, I can shoot lasers at you as well as regular fire, you know. <laughs> as well as its big claws. As well as just being a really annoying boss, but at least it's cool to look at. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's something that happens. Like I kind of forgot about. Um, but yeah, the witch's eyes lift to create the lost Isolith. Um, eventually you get one of the sons of Isolith, or actually, I'm the first demon. Whoa. What? What? The guy who did the voice in Dark Souls for. Hawkeye Golf. Yeah? He's the, the, the Twi'let guy in Java's Palace. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the same, same actor. Wow, <laughs> that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and the guy who uh, did the voice for... I'm looking at the IMDb page. I was curious because uh, I saw something about a voice actor. The guy who plays uh, Richterk of Vanheim and Vince of Thorland. Okay. Uh, is he's played also Harry Potter in several video games. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do kind of have that whimsical British yeah. voice. Before I go on, before we get to the eventual beginning of the game, you got any more trivia for me? You got any more questions in general? Uh, uh, I got some uh, 
pretty generic questions, which aren't very good. But I, I do have, uh, if you're down, uh, I thought it would be fun. Uh, what culture has a Dark Souls ultimate Dark Souls quiz for the hardcore Dark Souls fans? Let's do it. Test yeah. me. Which of the following locations is in multiple Dark Souls games? Okay, this could be a couple of them, but Undead Settlement, An Orlando, Undead Crypt, or Road of Sacrifices. It's An Orlando. Does not tell me if you were right. <laughs> I can tell you it's An Orlando It'll because probably okay. tell me at the end how many. You in the got first right. Dark Souls, you obviously go to An Orlando, the realm of the gods, and you fight. And we'll get to fighting Gwen, um, but you find because time is warped and whatever you end up going in Orlando again in Dark Souls three. Mm-hmm. It is also said in Dark Souls two that uh, the realm of Drenglaic is built upon an Orlando. Okay, so it kind of appears in all of them. Yeah, how many bosses? Are in the base game of the first Dark Souls. Okay. Oh, shit. Base Nin- game. 19, 20, 21, or 22? I believe it's 19. I don't think... Th- yeah, there wasn't that many. All right. Which stat would a sorcery user typically prioritize? A oh, sorcery? That's intelligence. Intelligence? All right. Yeah, this quiz is all about the actual game. <laughs> in Dark Souls lore... Here we go. Okay, okay, Here lore question. What is the dragon's crucial weakness? I, I know. It's lightning. Yeah, we I, talked about we that. We just talked about it, yeah. If it says it's something else. <laughs> Which darks? I know you know this. Well, one. technically, the dragon's weakness is uh, the first flame because. <laughs> <laughs> I think you. Shut up. I think you've mentioned this one to me before. Uh, Which Dark Souls weapon makes an appearance in Bloodborne? Well, okay. Give me the options and then I'll tell you. The Drake Sword, Moonlight Great Sword. Fume Ultra Sword or Zweihander? Zweihander actually does appear, I think. Or no, it's the Flamberge Great Sword and Demon Souls, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. But it's the Moonlight Great Sword. And what's cool about the Moonlight Great Sword, it appears in Demon Souls. Oh, yeah. It appears in Dark Souls. It appears in Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne. And it's even in Kingsfield. Which Ooh. came out in the nineties. Wow. Which I'd love to play at some point. That'd be cool. And you know what's really funny? We've we've been talking about Seif the Scaleless is basically in Kingsfield. Oh wow. It's really weird. We've been talking about possibly uh streaming some uh games and stuff like that. Yeah. And, sometime uh, Kingsfield would be a cool one. Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh which of the following is a covenant that only appears in Dark Souls two? Warriors of Sunlight, Way of White, The Bell Keepers, or Way of Blue? I believe that's going to be The Bell Keepers, but to be honest, I haven't really played Dark Souls 2. Because <laughs> why? Because <laughs> <laughs> The Warriors of Sunlight, that's in the first game. And it's what? also in the third game. In Dark Souls lore, did Seath the Scaleless steal? The Primordial Crystal, the Dark Soul, the Moonlight Greatsword, or the First Flame? 
think. Oh, that was definitely the primordial yeah, crystal. I was gonna say. I forgot just, to mention what it was called. That's what he uses okay. to become immortal. I was about to say just through a process of elimination. There, I was gonna guess the same. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of <laughs> the dark soul. I just forget about that. I mostly focus on the betrayal and all that great stuff. Unbreakable patches is a character in which Dark Souls game. Oh, unbreakable. Okay. Unbreakable patches. So patches is pretty fun. He's in almost every Souls game uh, except for like Demon Souls. He's in Demon He's Souls. He's even in Demon Souls? Yeah. <laughs> He's in like all of them. He is but the he reason different, he has different names. Patches is the reason that um they believe they're all connected. <laughs> patches is a spider in Bloodborne by the way. Yeah. He's a spider with a bald guy's head. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrifying. So, Unbreakable Patches, just give me the choices, because... Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, or all of the above. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel knowing, like knowing what culture, it's probably all of the above, because they're probably not smart enough to distinguish that I can't remember if he goes patches. by that name every time. <laughs> I want to say it's just Dark Souls 3. But we'll go with all of the above to be safe. Because I can't say he's in Dark Souls 2 because I haven't played it. Okay. Where was I? There it is. All, right, all of the above. Although I just looked it up and I think it's Dark Souls 3. I think it is. Yeah. But he is in all of the above, just not as that name. Yeah. What is the maximum soul level in Dark Souls 3? Oh, shit. 768, okay. 782, 798, or 802. I don't think it's 802. I mean, I'm not insane. I new game plus that game like five times, and I still didn't get to that soul level. Yeah. Um, My guy's sitting at about 200 right now. But um, cause I, I just like playing the game, not grinding over and over. <laughs> what were the choices again? Uh, 768, 782, 798, or 802. I want to say 762, but I'm really not sure. There's 782 and 768. Oh, 768. Okay. We're going to go with that. Which boss is named High Lord? Lothric, Nido, Wolnir? Or Manus. It's not Nido. Lawford, that's from Dark Souls 3, right? Uh, Manus, no, he's the primordial man. It's High Lord Nido. All right. On PlayStation, what button is Perry? <laughs> it's L2. It's L2. Damn, I'd be fucked playing that on Xbox. <laughs> I don't know the names of the buttons on PlayStation. What is the starting location of the player in Dark Souls 2? Oh, I know this, actually. Um, isn't it the things betwixt? That is one of the answers here. Is that the starting location, or is that where you end up going? Right. No, yeah, it's the things betwixt. Okay. The player character of Dark Souls is known as the Chosen what? Undead. Chosen undead. And see, in Dark Souls 3, you're the unkindled ashen one. Okay. And the whole reason of that is 
basically after it events of Dark Souls, depending on what path you take, if you decide, okay, let's get back to the lore for a second here. Yeah. So, yeah, the first flame's dying. The Witch of Isla tries to create first flame, but ends up creating the flame of chaos and creating demons and becoming the bed of chaos, and they all become twisted abominations and whatever you know. Um, <laughs> so they do that, and that epically fails. And then Gwen, the last ill-fated attempt, and because he knows the Age of Fire won't last forever, yeah, but he's in denial. And he's so scared of the dark. Gwen actually ends up sacrificing himself to fuel the first flame. And his son, Gwendolyn, which is uh, is a son, but he named Gwendolyn because he was into dark moon magic and thought that was <laughs> thought that was lame, I guess. <laughs> um, lame. Yeah, so he named him after he made him a girl version. That's the whole thing. But um but yeah. He fuels the first he and his silver knights are still with him around him when he does this at the kiln of the first flame, which is the last area you fight in Dark Souls one and three. But um <laughs> he sacrifices himself to the first flame to fuel it to keep the age of fire going, and then doing so he chars his silver knights. They become black knights. Okay. Kind of mindless, hollowed out knights. And Gwen himself becomes hollow. Only having just a... Isn't there a black knight like early in Dark Souls 1 that you can stumble upon? And get That's like, a get silver knight. A silver knight. Yeah. I remember stumbling upon him and getting fucked. And yeah, the only, <laughs> the only difference between silver knights and black knights is black knights were silver knights that were charred by the first flame. Okay. Making them more powerful, but making them lose their humanity, essentially. Okay. Um, but Gwen becomes practically hollow. Hmm. But he keeps the Age of Fire going. But it's fading again. Eons later, or however long later. So the Chosen Undead, branded with the Undead Curse, which is that. It's the Dark Souls symbol. It's the mm-hmm. dark sign. Um. Chosen Undead, it's kind of not really the Chosen Undead. Well, sort of. Uh, Knight Isaac, I believe. No, Oscar Knight. I forget. Yeah. He's... Oscar Isaac? No, not Oscar Isaac. <laughs> but he's from the same land as Solaire. He gives you the key and everything. That's how you get a dungeon. You fight the asylum demon and everything. Yeah. Um, Chosen Undead starts out very weak, as we all know. But the reason they're so powerful is because they can die over and over and over. Just like Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gwen, I've come to bargain. Um, and that's essentially <laughs> what you do when you die over and over when you're fighting him. But he's really easy. You just parry him. But, um, <laughs> but if you're bad at parrying, he's not easy. <laughs> um, he still gets so annoyed with you. He's like, Jesus Christ, again? Yeah. Dude. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, that's why the undead so powerful because he can harvest souls and just keep dying and just keep learning, keep becoming I mean, for, more for powerful. For people who are, you know, it's not, the end not game used ec- to dying being a mechanic, you're something that's kind of supposed to happen in a game. You know, imagine it from the boss's perspective in Dark Souls because when you die in Dark Souls, you're not respawning, you're not, you know, starting back from a save point. You're 
it's the game has continued. Everything that happened until you well, die. Well, you're starting happened. from a bonfire. Yeah. But, but so so imagine it from a boss's perspective. This guy just keeps showing up and trying to kill you. Keeps getting a little bit better and eventually yeah, and will <laughs> kill you. So the boss awful. is, in a weird way, from their perspective, it actually is kind of quite terrifying. This guy just keeps showing up. Um, he keeps, but he keeps <laughs> showing up. You keep killing him, but every time he gets a little bit harder and to kill. You know, this episode could have been f- five seconds long if I just explained the story this way. Well, <laughs> this is the story of Dark Souls after the prehistory, so I guess not exactly. But basically, someone dead boy. Hey, here's a rusty sword. Go kill God. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so so you can make a choice. So after you get through everybody, get all the Lord souls and everything, you get to the kill in the first flame, and you fight Gwen. And after you finally defeat him, or whenever you defeat him, it doesn't matter because you can just keep going, um, you have a choice. Choice is, would you keep? the age of fire going even though it will eventually fade or do you become a dark lord mm. Roman I mean reign in age of darkness and you have two okay let's get back to the primordial serpents I mentioned is there a canonical ending yes it's continuing age of fire okay yes um, because that's how Dark Souls 3 the lords of cinder are these heroes that went on this quest, fight the guy at the kill him the first flame, kill him, and then continue the first the age of fire. Mm-hmm. Giant did it, but it went bad for him. Uh, <laughs> that's Yorm the Giant. Um, the Abyss Watchers, a whole group of guys did it, and it counted. They, it counts. Even if a group of guys does it. Um, but anyways, that's Dark Souls 3, but yeah, that's how we get the Lord of Cinder, and when you fight the final boss, well, the final non-DLC boss in Dark Souls 3, and this is kind of, well, it's not exactly the end of the story, but it's how you continue to age fire. You fight basically the original chosen undead player character from Dark Souls 1. Uh, he knows all the abilities of like the main bosses of Gwen. Uh, and um, he's just waiting. And you fight that original character. Because the chosen undead is unique in the fact that there wasn't a civilization or kingdom built around the idea of continuing Age of Fire, becoming yeah. the Lord of Cinder, becoming so powerful and all this. Chosen Undead was the first one to do this. Yeah. I I love when games uh, bring back the main characters from old games. And you literally fight to, uh, the old character from Dark Souls 1. <laughs> it's, it's like uh, in Elder Scrolls, um, the main character from Oblivion is uh Shea Gorth. Mm-hmm. Who so when you meet Shea Gorth or he takes up the mantle and becomes Shea Gorth. Yeah, becomes him. So yeah. when you meet Shea Gorth and that And quest, you have to do an Elder Scrolls lore at some point. Yeah, we will do that at some point, yeah. So when you meet Shea Gorth in uh that one side quest in Skyrim, you're actually speaking to the main the player character from Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but but yeah, you fight the Chosen Undead, and then Dark Souls 3. But, um... So, what was the question again? The next question? The one we were on. That led me to this whole tangent. I don't remember. It was... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I moved on to the next page. Okay. Uh, but this question is, in Dark Souls 3, how does uh, hollowing impact the player's stats? Decreases vigor and stamina, 
halves vitality, it decreases strength and dexterity, or it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. Not in the first dark. Wait, which Dark Souls? Just says Dark Souls. Yeah, it doesn't in the first one really. You, I mean, the reason you want um, to become human is so you can have online play. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> essentially, um, so you can um, do your soul levels and stuff. But it doesn't actually. And Dark Souls Two, it halves your vitality every time. Yeah. Dark Souls Three, you don't become hollow. You're either embered or not embered. Okay. It's a different concept there. Which of the following is not a starting gift in any of the three games? Oh, in any of them. Okay, okay. Homeward Bone, Binoculars, Old Beggar's Ring, or Rusted Gold Coin? I thought the binoculars were only in Bloodborne, but they might be a... Yeah, they are a starting gift. Homeward Bone. What was the choices again? Homeward Bone, Binoculars, Old Beggar's Ring, or Rusted Gold Coin. I believe it's an Old Beggar's Ring, but I'm really not sure on that one. All right. I haven't played the game in a while. You scored (laughs) 73%. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. There were some hard (laughs) ones in there. (laughs) Does it tell me which ones I missed? No. No, of course. No, of course not. (laughs) Well, actually, no, it does. Okay, here, I... You have to scroll down. Uh, number of bosses in the first Dark Souls game. It was 22, not 19. Oh, really? Yeah. So you missed that one. Did not realize that. Uh, pat- unbreakable patches is Dark Souls 3, not all three, not all the games. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought it was a trick question. Maximum number of souls. I, it was I never knew that. 802. 802. Yeah. Uh, High Lord, it's not Nito. It's, it's not. Oh, Wolnir. shit. Wolnir. Well, oh, High Lord Wolnir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me tell you about him. Okay. So, <laughs> Hi, I forgot about him because he was a very insignificant boss in Dark Souls 3. <laughs> Basically, he was this High Lord that embraced the dark in this realm called... Um, It's like this desert realm place. Uh, Karthus. Uh, and he becomes like a big skeleton boy. He's basically the new Nido. So that's kind of why I got him mixed up. He's okay. like the new Nido in Dark Souls 3. Yeah, okay. The big skeleton boy that has darkness. Yeah. But anyways, cool. That's all the ones you missed. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's all. That's not bad. You got all the other ones right. High Lord Wolnir. He has a powerful weapon that you can get. Uh, nice. Yeah, Wolnir's holy sword. And it's it's funny, it's a play on words. It's a holy sword, but it's also got a bunch of holes in it. I'm just uh, you know, you scroll down on these quizzes on websites like this and it has all the recommended ones. Oh yeah. There's one here that at first glance I thought was stupid, but then I thought about it for a second and I'm like, actually no. It's a uh, The Witcher or Metal Gear Solid, who said it? Snake or Geralt? Oh, they are very similar. And at characters. first I was like, that's stupid, but then I'm like Actually, they're basically no, the same character. They're kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, same personality. They're, they're both like gruff, emotionless <laughs> type of. They both have gray asses. hair. Yeah. So, first glance, I was like, "That's a stupid quiz." And then <laughs> you think about it, no, actually, it makes that's. <laughs> so in the Dark Souls game, we talked about how the player character is so important. All this stuff, chosen and dead, mm-hmm. but um, 
so throughout the game, you meet the Primordial Serpents. The first one you meet is King Seeker Frampt. Okay. He's the one that is very much on the side of the gods and wants you to continue at Age of Fire. He's sad that Gwen has lost himself, that he's become hollow after um, fueling the first flame. But he realizes that you can defeat him and take his place and continue the Age of the Gods, the Age of the Fire, okay. and become a god yourself. But knowing you know as the player that the Age of Fire will always fade. Fire will always fade. There's never going to be enough fuel. Yeah. It can last a very long time. All fires will eventually fade. It can, yeah. And it can last eons, but eventually it will fade. Yeah. It will burn out um <laughs> so he's the first primordial serpent you meet and then later on you meet dark seeker dark uh dark seeker i believe koth i believe that's his name and um he's like no king's uh Frampt is full of a bunch of bullshit the fire is gonna fade anyways so why not just end it and become a dark lord and I did that ending on my second playthrough where you defeat Gwen, but then you turn back. You walk away. Oh, yeah. And you become a dark lord and over a domain of darkness and of humanity. And not humanity in a good sense. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> well. Humanity has literally I the, think it is literally the, the essence. essence in but it souls. is interesting that humanity is fueled by darkness and dark souls. That humanity is inherently dark. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, that's one of the options. And you kind of talk with them, do some quests with them, but they're just weird. <laughs> the primary yeah. old servants. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, I mean, that's kind of all I got for us right now. Um, nice. Well, if, this, this has been fun. We can do another. Oh, I've had a lot of fun. Continue as part two at some point. Yeah, part two, we could get into uh, some maybe some Dark Souls 3 lore. Yeah. Maybe some of the more of the story of Dark Souls 1, but Dark Souls 3 would be a lot of fun. I would also be down to do Bloodborne lore at some that point. That would be cool, yeah. Um, but Dark, Dark Souls 3 has got a lot into I it. Think, so I think we should start doing more of these lore type episodes. Yeah. Uh, we used to do um, some of them back, Lovecraft lore all the way back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we can do. You know, more Dark Souls. I'd love to hear stuff. some Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah, we could definitely do Elder Scrolls. Um, that's that'd be fun. But Elder Scrolls is fucking weird. The lore. But basically, uh, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just as weird as the Dark Souls are weirder. Um, In some spots some ways, it's it weirder. is weirder. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not talking about Bethesda inconsistencies. I'm talking about just. Like the Moloch Ball thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the Dark Souls prehistory in today, Age of Fire, along with other tidbits. Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, that was fun. Uh, that's it, though. That's all I got for you guys so that, right now. That's a good good uh, summary of what you need to know before you start playing Dark Souls the leading up to the game. And here, here's one more thing to add. The story of Dark Souls, I'm not talking about the lore, what we just got done all talking about. And we talked a little bit about the story. Stories of Dark, the story of Dark Souls is the game itself. You playing the game is the story. 
Yeah. It, All I, this lore is the background to that I saw, story. I saw a post on Reddit. Leading up to that story. I saw someone post on Reddit not too long ago that they were like, I prefer the, the story in Dark Souls 3 to Dark or the story in Bloodborne to Dark Souls. And I almost wanted to comment and be like, story? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, the story is you playing the game. Yeah. That is the hero's journey. Yeah. You playing the game. Um, the story is all of this lore, and then your character comes along. Would you consider all of the <laughs> Star Wars lore and like canon and legends to be a story? No. No, it's lore. It's the setting. It's the background. It's the history. But the story... It's the story of the hero, of Luke Skywalker, of yeah. Anakin. The hero's journey. The hero's journey, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's why I think Dark Souls is a, such a great example of lore being used to further the story. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited for Elden Ring because mm. George R. R. Martin created, basically he created like the lore. Yeah. The background, the setting, the prehistory stuff, and then Miyazaki and the From Software team ran with it, came up with a story from it, came up with gameplay mechanics to fit the lore and everything. Nice. And um, <laughs> some people think that's why he uh, has taken so long on Game of Thrones, because he is busy doing Elden Ring. I don't think so. <laughs> he just takes long on things. I just think he's taking his sweet-ass time with But I think that's smart. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire is the actual Well, yeah, series. Song of Ice and Fire, yeah. Yeah, Game of Thrones is technically... That's the show? Well, Game of Thrones is the first book. That's the, the first Song book? Song of Ice and Fire, the first book is a Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. I've never read the books. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the show. It was okay. But yeah, when <laughs> definitely, when Elden's Ring, Elden Ring is out, probably we'll get a review first of that out. And then yeah. eventually, once there's enough, once Vadi Videos made a video of it, <laughs> we'll um, do some lore on Elden Ring down the line because I'm sure yeah, it's going to be great. Um, and yeah, Bloodborne, more Dark Souls, Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah. And if you have any lore that you want us to go through, we'll do our homework. Yeah, yeah. So We're, we're, t we're absolutely down to do episodes on lore uh, off requests. Yeah, definitely. Um, if, you think, and if there's a lore uh, series that you're a fan of that has lore, maybe you later fill a whole episode. Let us. know. I don't know exactly when, but coming up, we got some news for you guys. I yeah. think Colton knows what I'm talking about. Do I? Yeah, you should. Okay, <laughs> but it'll be a surprise. I don't want to mention it yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so check out our link tree. Find what platform you like listening to. Uh, check out all our stuff. Join Facebook group if yeah. you want to really connect with us. Yeah, the best way to connect with us is uh, directly. I have the Facebook I, is, group is on the join the Facebook group. You can comment. You but can Instagram, post. that's where you're gonna see everything yeah. relating to the episode, images, whatever. Yeah, you know it's fun stuff. Um, yeah, so there you go. There's our first Dark Souls episode. Can't wait to do more. Can't wait to do just more lore in general. Oh yeah, fun time. So. We'll see you next week. Oh, all right. Let's roll the outro. Yeah. This is not a test. I repeat, this is not a test. The Odd Drunk Podcast recommends that you follow their Instagram and join their Facebook group for more fun content. To view all of our current available streaming and social media platforms, visit our link tree in the description below. If you enjoy the show, it would be appreciated if you leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts.
Okay Colton you can roll the outro now.